delayed recording and delay editing the episode that's meant to come out on tuesday is going to come out on wednesday wednesday's episode thursday thursday's episode friday of course we didn't know that when we recorded it so we still said talking about this on tuesday come back on you know so if you just hear us say the wrong days that's what happened don't worry Hello and welcome to the Foxes Never Quit podcast. This is a fan-run podcast about Leicester City Football Club. You can find us on Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podcaster, Samsung Podcasts, Deezer and GeoSarvan. Not sure what GeoSarvan is, but we are on it. And of course, you can find all of our things at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash lcfc and reddit.com forward slash r forward slash lcfc women. This week, I am with Madlock, who is our regular co-host. Hello there. And our guest this week is Happy Death. How's it going? It's going well. You have a very aptly named uh, screen name. Very happy. Yeah. <laughs> given the uh, what we're going to be going over today. So first, we're going to talk about last week's games. We played Manchester United on Thursday. We played Brighton on Sunday. Uh, before we get into those games, two bits of useful things to know. Uh, Fafana is now gone. He got sold for an undisclosed sum believed to be about 65 million to 75 million, which includes some add-ons. And... To replace him, we brought in a defender I am informed is pronounced something like Vout Fais. Fass, Vout Fass. He's Belgium. He's got a name that doesn't come nicely off my uh, English speaking tongue. I did ask some of my Belgian colleagues how to pronounce it and then promptly forgot what they had told me. He does have amazing hair, though. He does have amazing hair. I say this as a long haired guy, but I think we should save reviewing his hair for the transfer window coverage that we're going to put out on Thursday. So let's talk about the Manchester United game on Thursday. Uh, finished 1-0 to Manchester United. Is this the point where we just used cricket noises? I did watch this game and then had to watch the highlights anyway to remember what happened because I forgot everything that happened in this game. It was definitely not a classic, was it? It was... <sighs> yeah, it was a bit of a slog. It was the first game this season we failed to score. It was also, I think, the first time we haven't conceded more than one goal. Like, every game we've conceded at least two goals. So I guess there's that. Still for linings, jeez. Good, good uh, positive to pull out of that. I actually felt like we played decent this game. I didn't feel... I mean, I felt like Man United deserved to win, but I didn't feel like... In some of the like in some of the other games we've had this year where we gave it up. I felt like we played well enough to earn a draw at least. Yeah. So let's talk briefly. Sancho's goal it felt a bit too simple for me. They passed it round us. No closing down. Our fullbacks were high up the field, so they were out of position. And it looked like we missed the offside trap. I think I saw James Justin appealing for offside. And then realizing that I think one of the centre backs, Ndidi, I think, had played him on. Yeah, it was um, Ndidi had played him on, and then I think he Ndidi also got drawn out to Rashford, didn't he? Um, and one of the trends, obviously, we'll talk about is Ndidi as centre back, but he got drawn out, and Sancho was left with acres of space, and Ward, you know, basically tried to force him wide, and it just didn't come off, did it? No, it, it didn't. I mean, we did have our opportunities. I think arguably the best one was James Madison's free kick near the end of the game. We actually had more shots than them. We had a you know fifty four percent possession, uh, ten shots. We both had the same number on target, which was two. It was almost stats wise. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. Also, it's... just to keep it in mind, still haven't conceded against a set piece, um, at least not mm. in that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the one thing I will say with Madison's free kick was that it was almost identical to one he scored with earlier this season. And I think even when he was stood there over it, I was looking at it thinking, he's standing over this. Was it Chelsea he scored again? No, it wasn't Chelsea, that was Barnes scored. 
who was it he scored that free kick, putting it into the top right corner of the net from about that was, the right place? Was that, that was Southampton. Yeah, that, that was the goal kick. against Southampton. Yeah, yeah, I noticed he was like lining himself up for it in exactly the same way. And I'm just wondering if De Gea knows Madison likes to target what is De Gea's top left corner of the goal and be mm-hmm. ready for that free kick. Because the yeah. way he was lined up for it, I thought, I know exactly where he's putting it. And I think De Gea knew as well. If we well, can I read mean... it, chances are De Gea can read it. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I mean, keepers at this level will definitely have read Dan. J- James Madison mm-hmm. would have been definitely identified as a key thing. One thing I did find interesting is he, he had a chance, and I think Dewsbury Hall also had a shot, and that was quite... That was definitely something they definitely invented off the pitch, wasn't it? Where Madison yeah. sort of did a bit of a fake off... Uh, Fake layoff to um, Dewsbury Hall, who then took a punt. Yeah. goal. nothing came off, but it was it was an interesting idea. Yeah, De Gea, I think, made it look like quite an easy save in the end because he just caught it. Um, I, I get the feeling with that one. I think we need to be a bit sharper with it because once the layoff happened, I think we gave De Gea enough time to adjust because he saw well. This is clearly Dewsbury Hall having a shot to, to my right. He made the save look very easy. Personally, I think if you're going to do that, you want the wall, uh, our wall, to to make a little more disruption, because that chaos is what kind of throws the keeper off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's you know, as someone plays in goal and you play in goal as well, that's one of the worst things is when you 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 when you've got your own players or even someone other, and then the ball just curves around them and you've got milliseconds to react. It's 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 not great. <laughs> Honestly, when I'm playing. Again, when I'm defending a free kick, once the the free kick's being taken, I just don't really pay attention to the other players. I'm just hyper focused on the ball. But like someone could be straight up murdered in the penalty box, and I probably wouldn't know. Where are you playing? Where am I playing? Hampshire. Okay, he's okay, getting I rough mean, in Hampshire. <laughs> I mean, it's never happened. But... I'm not uh, saying yeah. this from experience. Oh, see, I, I say this is someone who plays in Kettering regularly. I, there's a distinct possibility that might happen. So the other game we played, because I, I don't think there's that much of it, it's going to be very similar talking points for each. We'll get through the games and we'll talk about the trends. Um, Brighton, we had a great start against Brighton, didn't we? That first I mean, minute. Yeah, I mean, it was lightning fast. I mean... It, it the whole thing the whole first half was I thought the whole game felt a hundred miles an hour, but the first half in particular it was it was end to end. It was entertaining. I think it's, it, neutrals would have appreciated that game. A lot of goals uh, as we will obviously go through and just yeah, lots of lots of action. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think we lost our head, and this is we'll probably get into the themes in a bit. But you know, yeah, I think the left side uncharacteristically felt off obviously Rogers changed the system a little bit in this game didn't he and I think it, it, Barnes and Thomas looked uncharacteristically uncomfortable on the left flank when those two tend to link up pretty well I'm not an expert enough to know why but that that was really evident in the first half and then obviously that gets exacerbated in the, the second half when Castagna comes on but yeah first half lots of excitement and stuff yeah and Barnes went off for that as well but let's talk about the, the. We had four goals in the first half. So let's focus on those for a bit, and we'll talk about the second half. Um, I thought when I when I saw this first goal, I thought this is great. It was our first goal scored this season, I think, by a recognised striker, and that's got to be a good thing. And it wasn't Vardy. We we benched Vardy, and I think that was the right decision. Yeah, do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with it. I feel like at this point, especially playing Thursday and then against Sunday. It's early in the season, but you've got to have fresh legs out there. And to actually change to get two strikers on the field, I think it was a good call. Yeah. And the first goal, I think, was kind of a classic Ianacho goal, right? So I've said before, Ianacho is that player, kind of player. You want to cause chaos around the edge of the six-yard area. And Ianacho is really good at reading the chaos and finding just the right place to be to take advantage of it. And this is what happened, right? There's a lot of praise to be made, actually, for this first goal. Tielemans, did you see how he got the ball? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, the whole set was brilliant. Yeah, I can't remember. He um, 
basically just shoved someone off the ball. I can't remember yeah. who it was. He just um, bodied Solly March off the ball. That's it. Yeah, it was March. He just just pushed. Yes, yeah. I was a little bit physical, a little bit, which little I quite enjoyed. <laughs> a little bit, just <laughs> Engl- <laughs> a little bit of English understatement for you there. But anyways, yeah. yeah but and then, then the pass was just. I mean, the vi- this is where Tielemans' vision is, was at. You know, peak. It was just, just. Art, you know, precision artillery right into the box, wasn't it? Yeah, right into the box, uh, straight into Harvey Barnes, who, you know, I know we were just criticising him, but he just takes a one-touch pass to release Dakar, who's made a great run to the byline. I have to admit, I, I, I for Barnes, I think he played well. I think he just confused in the system. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, he's not, he's been doing well. I think in the whatever was the, the tactics but, we were working to though didn't play to his strengths. But the point the point I'm trying to make is this was a really good touch by Barnes to release Dacker. Mm-hmm. Yes, who then absolutely. puts it back across the box and Barnes has made his run into the box and that's where the chaos really happens. So I think Barnes goes for the ball, he forces the defender and the goalkeeper to go for the ball, and then Ian Acho's at the back post, watching the chaos unfold in front of him, just says, I'll have that and Pope the ball into an open net. Exactly. There was nobody close to Ianacho either. He was wide open on that far post. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what Barnes did. It's very similar to the goal that was kind of that kind of play that Vardy and Barnes did um, against Chelsea, where they, they really came in hard on that left, except Vardy went in and gave that, that really clever touch and then Barnes took it with his left foot, which was uncharacteristic for him, but it was a really good shot. Uh, from the wing there, and yeah, you know, he instead of doing that, obviously he, but he's very good at kind of discerning between taking the shot and and assisting, and that's come with maturity. I remember the first season or so he joined, well not joined, but it came got promoted into the senior team. He often would take the shot when he probably shouldn't have. And I, I remember people getting a little bit frustrated, but no, he's he yeah. did a maturity in him, and that's yeah, it's great to see really. But yeah, that first goal, I thought this is the great way to start the match. We are back. And then it kind of went back to business as usual, didn't it? Do you want to talk about the uh, first goal we conceded? I think it was an own goal from Thomas, officially. Yes, it was. Um, It was... He didn't track back quick enough, and then he ends up right basically on the post. And I can't think of who it was. Was it Sully March that crossed it off of... Basically off his hand. So it would have... It was... I think it would have probably been a penalty anyway if it didn't go in off uh, Thomas. Yeah. Possibly. Um, I actually didn't notice the handball myself. I just saw it go in. I think maybe we would have preferred the penalty, wouldn't we? At least we have a chance taking yeah. that. But yeah, we we left Brighton too much space, I thought, to keep switching the ball. Because they kind of just pulled us out of shape, switching it side to side a bit. And yeah, I think Thomas lost his runner. He ended up trying to cover the same man that Evans was. And that left a man free at the back post who headed it. I think he was aiming just for the header back across goal to see what happens. And he mm-hmm. got the fortunate ricochet. I think we'll talk about this. It was a bit of another defensive switch off. And we also did another one. And this is, was within two goals within 15 minutes we conceded in this first half. Um, it was a ball can, turned over in midfield. I think I've seen people blame Madison for giving it away. I'm not entirely sure I blame Madison that much for it. I think it was a comedy of errors. Let's let's be fair. And I think I think it's a bit naive when people say it's one person's fault. There was a lot of oh, again, we we'll get into the themes later. But there's there's definitely some structural issues or some team issues, isn't there? And I think Madison, the tackle on Madison, was the beginning of it. But yeah, there was a few things that led to that goal, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Madison was heavily pressurised. He had to look for a pass. He looked for an ambitious pass, sure. I don't think passing it backwards would have helped him. Uh, he went for a pass, it got cut out. I think the big problem then when I'm watching it is the lack of recovery runs. There's quite a few players jogging back. Meanwhile, Brighton are running out of defence with a three-on-two. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some question marks over work rate of our back line at the minute. Um, there's definitely some unhappiness as well. Um, yeah, we'll get yeah. into that later as we talk about talk about things because it's been I feel like a broken record saying it almost right Um, this is one of the times I've been quite defensive of Ward this season I think he's generally been fairly decent and most of the goals we've conceded haven't been 
of his making. I do think he could have done better in the 1v1. It looks like he's not as good at 1v1s as Schmeichel was. But in this one, he really advertised with his body shape that he wanted to go to his left and he was expecting the shot to his left. Yeah, so no, he definitely telegraphed that a little bit, didn't he? I agree with that. Very easy to put the ball to his right and and into the goal that way. Yeah, I think this wasn't Ward's best match. As much as I am a fan of Danny Ward and have been for a while, this was not his best match. Really, I actually think this is was one of his best matches. <laughs> um, and, and I know that's going to start the people, some people are going to be foaming at the mouth who are listening to this, but he actually, he, he had a really big shift in terms of that. I mean, his, at the minute, his save rate is 50% with this. He had like 63, 64% with his seven saves. I mean, given that he's been doing an average of just under three, he well, did pull out the stops given he faced, what, 11 shots? You know, I know a lot of people yeah. are like, oh, he faced 23 and he only saved seven, but of those 23, only 11 were on target. You know, he, the, he even had three clearances. He, he was basically another defender <laughs> at one point. Um, Sounds like we're going to have yeah. a goalie fight later. Possibly. <laughs> Zaka scored, though. He's, he's off the mark for this season. Our second goal this season from a recognised striker. I thought this goal this goal reminded me of the kind of goal that Jamie Vardy scores. Yeah, yeah. it felt like, uh, you know, classic, uh, you know, counter-attack. Just a couple one-touches and he's in on goal and right around the keeper. I mean, the keeper never had a shot to stop it. Oh, yeah. It's that cool clinical finishing, which... You know, we talked about Vardy's performance against Chelsea, right? Where he just didn't have the finishing. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to have the finishing for it. This goal was exactly the sort of finish I associate with Vardy. 1v1 by the keeper. Keepers come and close me down. Stop that one, mate. I'll just dink it past you. He made it look so easy. And also there's that element of leaving the last defender absolutely for dead that I yes. so associate with Vardy. He was a good two, three steps behind when the pass came off yeah. and still got there first. It didn't, well, it didn't help the defender's case that he tried to jump and do some weird hook back kick and entirely miss it and fall flat on his back. But he was still left for dead. That's good enough for me. I'll take it. We need to take some some good things. I think he take was going to be left for dead anyway. And a great pass from Tielemann as well. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I was going to say... With the, with the whole thing of Dak as well, I think you know we talk about you know in an earlier podcast about his physicality. He definitely, you know, was a lot stronger in this game, and you know he didn't seem like he was too bullied. I think he is starting to find that physicality, and if he does yeah. that, he's definitely got the makings of the Vardy. He's just got to work on a few different celebrations, maybe a, a little more shithousery. But no, yeah, he, he's looking he's looking the part, and he looks hungry, and I think. Him and Ian Archer were hungry strikers, and they showed that in the first half for sure. That was really, they did. yeah. I mean, they came up spades. That I'm gonna say the what do you call it? Round off backflip or round off back somersault celebration is a classic. Uh, I I do agree with you. I could have given him a bit, a few more points. He wasn't that sharp on the landing of it, and he could, you know, I'm sure a gymnast would have a few things to say. But if he keeps scoring, I, I wouldn't object to seeing that celebration three times a game, I'm going to be honest. That was a hell of a celebration. It's a very athletic uh, celebration, to say the least. It's a show-off celebration. As Vardy did that once, didn't he, against Chelsea? Uh, yeah. Old. And everyone kind of asked him, he's like, yeah, I've had that in the bank for a while. It was a bit seemingly random. I wasn't expecting it. But it was, yeah, it's, it's quite a... Yeah, it's yeah quite he, he never seemed to me the type who who knows how to do a back somersault but over there there you go is it backflip I don't know I don't know I'm a gymnast gymnasts if you know what it's called write comments and tell me what it's called because you know it's good fair engagement stats half time came I didn't really understand this I think partially because I'm going to be honest I couldn't watch the game live because I was visiting family and I was in fact in a car on the way back so I was somewhere I can't even remember the name of the road I was on the road between Salisbury and Farnborough um, and M3 something no M3 doesn't go there anyway I was on this the road not navigating it won't surprise you so I don't really know why we replaced Barnes with Castagna because they didn't 
really go into that on the match of the day analysis, which is what I had to watch. Do you I guys know why they did feel, that? Well, they switched to they switched back to a five at the back at halftime. I think watching it live, I remember the announcer saying that it looked like they were trying to match what Brighton was doing. Yeah, that, it, uh, Rogers. I think when Rogers went in doubt, he kind of goes old school man to man, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And he tried to do that, but it doesn't. It's just not the team that does that. And you know, switching the system up. This is kind of a theme for a lot of games. We just seem to change the system. I think that throws you know people off. It's I I, I am yeah. I am wish for the days where we we consistently had four one four one, and everyone knew what their role was, and it was clear. And if you got put into that position, you exactly what was expected of you, and it had been drilled. But for now, yeah, like I said, well. But you know, with we... this game, this was clearly what happened in the second half, wasn't it? Yeah, so were we struggling with our momentum? Because we'd scored last at that time. And as far as I could tell from the match highlights, we seemed to be doing all right as we went into half time. Is that, or were we struggling? I don't remember there being too much between us tying the game and halftime. I'm pretty sure we were fairly in control with the game up until halftime after that. So yeah, I'm... I think it was fairly even pressured. I don't think there was, there was not to me, it didn't feel like we really needed to change anything. I was surprised by the change at halftime. All right. Yeah, because it's one of those decisions, and we've seen a few of those where I just don't understand why he did it. And it's at the point where it's like, I can't just say, well, you know, he's got a lot more experience than me. He clearly knows what he's doing, and I must be the one who doesn't know what, it, what he's doing now. Because I'm kind of feeling this decision was obviously wrong. In hindsight, I guess, obviously wrong. But even looking at the time, I can't see why he did it. Was normally, right, when I'm playing some game against someone who's a lot better than me, even as I'm getting my ass absolutely handed to me, I can kind of see, in hindsight especially how they came to the decisions they made and how they kind of absolutely beat me. But in this case, I'm looking at it, even in hindsight, I can't see why did he make that decision. Yeah, I, for me, I, I suspect Rogers. I think Rogers. I think this is where, this isn't a confidence in the team. I think the manager's lacking confidence. I yeah. think he was chasing it. I think... We've got to stop being three at the back. We've seen to do this consistent theme now where we, we kind of concede space in the midfield and then we get completely ripped to shreds. When we're stacked for good midfielders, we really should just be overloading in midfield. I think if we leveraged our midfield a lot more on the depth we have in midfield, which is the only kind of place we have a lot of depth, then we've been a lot better positioned. But I don't, mm. but again, like to your point, I can't make heads or tails of why he did what he did and I think this is where a lot of people in, in Blue mm-hmm. Army are starting to really ask the tough questions about him yeah yeah, I definitely agree with it I feel like it, it doesn't the other, it doesn't feel like he's matching what our players do best either with some of the tactics he changes it's like yeah. we don't have wingers but he keeps trying to force a game with wingers whereas if he wants to go to a three at the back I guess it would fit better you know to have wing backs which I mean that's something that Luke Thomas can do and and Justin and Castagna yeah they all exactly yeah, big, they all yeah. can, but well, that's I, not the way they were playing see I don't hugely rate Justin as a wing back I tend to find he struggles when he's on his own well, that's my impression of him I actually feel um, that Justin would be best as the third, as the, one of the uh, outer uh, center backs in, three, in a three at the back. I felt like he played that well when we did it at first. He played there a few games before he tore his ACL when he first started playing. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Um, I remember. No, it's a good memory, actually. I remember that yeah. now. Now you've said it. Yeah, and he, he did do that well. I think he did it better than Castagna. Castagna is more of a up and down the line. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he's got that physicality, doesn't he? But yeah, he, Justin's quite good. But Justin can just play any position in the back line. I suspect he's better on the right side of a three, um, as well as a kind of sort of right back. But he needs, yeah, he does. He, he does need support. But he's also interested as a bit of an inverted wing back, which is kind of how he got played 
you know, we're kind of jumping around now, but he, he got played as a bit of an inverted wing back, which he has done well because I still remember that goal he scored against Brentford, that nice curl mm-hmm. into the corner. Yep. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, he, he, so that he can do quite well up that left back position, but yeah, he needs to be covered in supporters. And I think he did that when he was aligned with Barnes, if I remember rightly. That was an right. FA Cup goal, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, it's definitely one of my favourites. I think I voted for it as my favourite goal of the season. It was just really nice, clean and crisp. I, a lot of good contenders that season, to be fair. I think Tielemans, Thunder Bastard, won it, if, if you can imagine oh, yeah. such a thing. Um, but yeah. But yeah, we conceded three goals in the second half without reply. We should have conceded more. Yeah, we should have. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah. It was a complete go, route, wasn't it? Going to go over the goals as quick as I can to minimise the pain. Um, mm. For the their third goal, we ended up just gifting Trossard some space. It was one of those ones. It looked like Ndidi stepped up to the guy with the ball to close down, totally left the guy behind him unmarked, and the ball was easily slotted through. Um, maybe he was quite aware that we criticised Amati a lot for not closing down, but in this case, I think he needed the rest of the backline to step up with him or to put the guy behind him offside. If I remember yeah. correctly, it was was that the goal that uh, Evans played Troussard on? I think, that... I think our other two centre-backs both played him on. Yeah. Um, I think it was NDD stepped up out of the line and left the guy unmarked. It's one of those ones where you just need another centre-back who can cover. We don't really have one of those centre-backs now who will run back and cover across the line as someone steps up out of it, if that makes sense. Well, we do, uh, and we'd be good at stuff like that, okay. but this is we, we, we're just not playing him at the minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about um, I forgot about Soyanchu, um, just like uh, Rogers seems to have done. Um, mm. And was pro- was at fault for our next goal as well, because he, I think, gifted McAllister a penalty entirely unnecessarily it was one of those ones they were you know McAllister was not da- anywhere dangerous he was literally behind the dead ball line all NDD had to do was run level with him and yeah this is cross back over but he he brought him down for some reason if he just leans on him a bit he's not going anywhere yeah, I think this is just playing someone out of position. His instincts will be to close down, is to chase people down, kind of bully them. And, you know, I think it was a bit clever from, from McAllister, you know, McAllister. But also, yeah, I mean, Nindidi just, you know, might as well just served it on a plate. Um, but this is what he's instinctually good at doing. This is what he does outside yeah. the box in front of a four. And if you do yeah. it just outside, it's great. But inside the box, he just doesn't have that instinct. He he bullies. He he gets on top of you. He he's got his telescopic legs. He, he will he will just do it. And then his instincts are there. And he's been playing those kind of positions for years. And now we're like, oh, can you play centre back when you know trying to cover off the fact? I you know, and I've said things about Amate, but I actually think given things, we need to go back. I think whilst Amate is not maybe should be shouldn't be starting for us. He's a lot better than having him did he play out position. Hmm. But now Samari, who's been playing in his position, has actually given us something else to consider. That is just interesting. We now have depth in that position. Yes, because uh, we don't because we even forget about Mendy, who's actually pretty good in again the same position. I um, mean, pivots for days. <laughs> Mendy won a trophy last season playing there, if I remember right. Yes, the uh, the African Cup. Yeah. Um and. In the 97th minute, Brighton topped it off to make it 5-2. I I have little complaint about this free kick, to be honest. It was just one of those free kicks that, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, happy against us. It was one hell of a free kick. Yeah, it it was just... Yeah, and people talk about Ward was out of place. I do feel like at this point people are just finding anything they can to beat Ward with a stick with. But with that, you've got to choose where you're positioning goal and... You can end up being stuck in the middle and going being thrown the wrong way. You could be yeah. just one side, it goes the other. I mean, it is luck of the draw. It's a free yeah. kick that went up over the wall and got down again. And it's one of those ones where it's kind of... Yeah, that's, that's traditionally how you do it. The wall is there to protect one side of the goal. The goalkeeper covers the other side of the goal. 
if you get it round the wall on that side or up and over the wall and back down again, well done. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, you, what you, Madison you did against Southampton, isn't it? And Southampton are not a small side. Yeah. Um, so. I did notice that they put the ball directly over Vardy's head. I think he is a bit shorter than everyone else in that wall and certainly has a bit less jumping reach than anyone else. I, I'm guessing they deliberately targeted to put it over Vardy's head. Yes, I would suspect. Um, Just saying that, though, he, he's got some interesting... He tends to be the first man when we're defending corners, which I was think I, is a bit of a weird peculiarity. I don't get it, because when we're defending a corner, you know where I'd want Vardy? Outside the box. Really, the, the approach. Halfway line. Because yeah. if you yeah. put Vardy on the halfway line, you force them to put one or maybe both uh, full-backs up there with him. Isn't and that, that also... Would, that's what we did last year when they finally started slowing it down a little bit with the concessions too. They actually, um, we stopped playing so many guys in the box and made the other teams take guys out of the box. Yeah. So if you put, especially someone like Vardy up there where, you know, if we get a solid clearance and we can put it towards him that he's, you know, cause if he's, the thing is, right. If you put him on the halfway line, they can't, just play him offside because you can't be offside in your own half so we clear it we hammer it over to him and he he gets a good run at it and that is going to scare teams well maybe Vardy isn't so scary this year Um, we can discuss that some other time probably after the next time he plays a full a full game or starts a game yeah Brighton could have had two more Um, they had that second ball from a free kick that was McAllister smashing it home again Goal of the season contender, if it counts, I think. I think so, too. Um, There was was no stopping that. Yeah, I think Brighton can probably consider themselves quite unfortunate that it didn't count. I mean, biased as we are, I'm not going to complain too much. VAR technically got it right. But it's another one of those goals I kind of felt we maybe deserved to concede (laughs) It wasn't great, was it? I mean, it was, to be honest, I, I think when we got to the four, just the three, two mark, I just knew in my bones it was the collapse. I think, you know, yeah. we were fighting back so much, and I don't think we had the spirit to keep fighting back. I mean, credit to the team, though. They really did, like, put in the shift, and I know the fans were, you know, singing Wards and Thomas's name because they both, you know, they did look shaky and unconfident. But if I had Danny Ward start to the season, I think I'd be bricking it as well. Yeah, 16 yeah. Games, 6 games is not a good look. Um, and there's also the other opportunity where I think Brighton could have had a seventh goal even. There was this moment in the first half, Ndidi passes the ball back to Ward, and Ward miscontrols it. I think I'm putting the blame on Ward for this opportunity. Welbeck closes down, gets the ball. It's an awkward angle, but he has an open goal and puts it just over. And... Uh, I think match of the day ended up apologising to lip readers because you could clearly see that they were both saying some rather impolite things to each other. That's Warden and Didi. I wasn't sure what to make that argument. Basically, Didi panicked, passed back um, to Ward, and he wasn't expecting. He passed it back with some 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 power. And I I I say this from someone who can sympathise with this. I've had people who've done this to me as a keeper and basically punted the ball at me and it's like you didn't need to give me that much power and now I'm having to, to chase <laughs> because it you yeah. know, basically just hit me and it, I can't get any control on it and obviously put him in a precarious position so unfortunately it got led to uh, you know it, as a stat it got down to as an error that led to a shot and it obviously yep. thankfully well back didn't get anywhere with it but I, I think that was a 50-50 I think Ward should have just told them to boot it out and then Diddy should have just booted it out yeah, um, and it just didn't happen. When in doubt, just kick it out. Um, that really should be what he should have been doing, but that's not what happened, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, if Ward controls it properly with his first touch, he's okay. Uh, so I'm kind of like, he, I know he's a goalkeeper, not an outfield player. I do feel a player at his level should be able to take those balls fairly comfortably. It didn't look like it had too much zip on it to me. I yeah, I I don't know. I don't he, know. He certainly, I think, should because if he's if he's going to miscontrol it, if he's not confident, he's going to control it. Yeah, smash it out. Even if it goes out for a throw-in, that's better. 
Um, I was just going to say, as the non-goalkeeper in the room, I felt like he should have just smashed it out and not tried to control it. Yeah, yeah that's kind of a play. sympathy of a mid sort of modern keepers, isn't it? They all now want to control the ball and do stuff. I mean, you've seen players like Edison and Allison give away silly goals because they'd rather try and control it rather than just, you know, play play for safety. If we talk about because rather than, you know, we've put off the talking points a bit from the Manchester United game as well because I think there's a lot that is just a general trend that is becoming fairly obvious. So the first thing I'm going to go with on here is. Is Danny Ward our problem, Madlock? I'm not going to say sit here and be like, Danny Ward is an amazing goalkeeper, right? There's a little part of me that gets all a bit goalkeeper union about it, but I'm not saying he's a... But given that in this game alone, he faced 23 shots, of which he saved seven, and only five were blocked by our defenders. Now, there's four of them, and only one of him. When he's having to save seven, I can imagine you know, going back to... In Diddy and him sort of uh, sounding off at one another. I think as a keeper, I think if I had been facing that many shots and that much pressure, I'm doing it. And this, and I think Ward epitomizes what's been happening with the team. A lot of good individual things that happen, but realistically, he is, you know, just getting a bit overwhelmed and he's just lacking confidence. And you could see that. And I don't I mean, people talk about Iverson. I don't think people remember Iverson during preseason. He left in, you know, if you particularly watch the uh, the OH Leuven game, he really <laughs> you know, he really had a couple of howlers, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. People remember Iverson for doing really well in that penalty shootout. Yeah, but I mean, we were saying the same thing not a few years ago about Ward and when Schmeichel would have a game. It's like, oh, well, Ward did really well in that penalty shootout against Wolves and the League Cup. And then again against, I think, was it, it wasn't Man City, I can't remember, but another team in the League Cup. And he, I think one League Cup, he basically won us three penalty shootouts in a row or two yeah. in a row. And he, I mean, he, he, he does well for, and he got to be the Welsh number one without ever playing regular senior football. There must be yeah. something about him. So for me, this is a confidence issue. And I think whacking him and laying all the blame with him, I'm not saying he's, like I said, blameless, but he, the laying all the blame on him is yeah. only going to compound the issue. Yeah, he's had a couple of mistakes this season, but if you look at how, the def- how much the defence have been leaving to him, as it were, anyone's going to. And it's the thing of when you're a goalkeeper and a mistake leads to a goal and that makes the score sheet tick over and someone gets their name written down, you know, to be remembered in posterity that so-and-so scored on the 74th minute and it goes in highlight reels. Whereas when strikers kind of completely fluff their lines, it doesn't go on a highlight reel and nobody apart from someone at Opta records it. Yes, doesn't go on the score sheet and you don't talk about it on match of the day necessarily unless it's a bad pattern no and you see it with other teams as well i mean i you know my, as, as as it's famously noted my partner is a spurs fan and you know larice you know she tells me that people want larice out and larice is an amazing goalkeeper and um you know he, he's a world cup winning captain goalkeeper and yeah he still just gets the hit when he has you know, when you make those calls, you remember the silliness. You know, no one remembers all the saves he made during the World Cup, but everyone remembers that weird sort of touch he took in front of um I can't remember which one of the Croatian players, and then they scored. They were still up, but it was just completely unnecessary. And I think Ward is getting similar sort of treatment where people are really, you know, looking at things. But yeah, he faced a lot during that. And this goes back to the consistent system. He doesn't know how to trust his backline because the backline keeps changing. I have this problem when I've played and, you know, they kept playing around the defense and kept giving me different defenders. But some defenders will be more inclined to pass back. Some defenders will want to run out with it. And, you know, if you're expecting one thing and you go, okay, I'm going to pass to this guy and he does something completely different, you find yourself out of position and that puts you really on edge and starts making you try and jump the gun. And that's not nice. And that's probably what's happening to Ward. He doesn't know that... he knows that he's going to be left on one-on-ones and he'll run out and panic yeah. like he did against uh, Sancho and stuff. And that's the problem at the minute. For yeah, Ford. whatever your defenders are doing, you want it to be consistent. Right. Like You don't yeah. mind what they do as long as it's not stupid and so long as you can predict it, right? Even if it is yeah. stupid, as long as you can predict it, you can do something about it. I don't think wards at fault i can't imagine i feel like there are things going back to you know casper left 
this offseason. There are things that Casper does better, but there are things that Ward does better too. I yeah. think Ward actually comes out better. Yeah, Ward dominates his area better. Casper was definitely better at the 1v1s, although apparently sang a horrific time at Nice. Uh, yeah, I think with with, with Casper as well. Uh, from I've watched some of the clips of him just to kind of, but not to make it too much about him. He he's still yelling at his back line, but he's not really been there. And he's whilst I know he's he's senior, I don't think he's quite earned his place in doing that. I think a lot of people want Ward to start yelling at his back line and commanding it, but yeah, that well, requires he... them really respecting you. And when you're shipping goals, it's like I said, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. You can't trust your defense. Therefore, you do irrational things. You do irrational things. You ship goals. You ship goals. Your defense doesn't trust you, so you can't yell at them to do certain things. It's a, it's a vicious cycle to break. If that was Casper yelling at Ndidi for the back pass, Ndidi would not yell back. I don't think. I think the only one who would yell back is Evans. At least in my experience at the stadium, the only person I've ever seen yeah. yell back. But I have seen players ignore. Um, we were playing Burnley, and Chilwell seemed to keep ignoring Schmeichel, but he kept telling him to push. I mean, he. Schmeichel knew exactly what he wanted from his back line and that's something where Ward I obviously I'm not been to the matches but it's from what I hear from others who are going and obviously see him live he is not really pushing on them as much and I think Rogers has even made a quote about a lot of quiet leaders Yeah, and we're hoping this new signing will be a little more vocal just because at the minute I think Evans is the only one who shouts on the pitch you know Vardy's not really a unless he's swearing uh, you know, a, a cool or himself or something he uh he doesn't really tend to speak a lot, does he? So, we don't think Danny Ward is a problem. Yeah, I definitely think Iverson isn't the answer. I remember Iverson's comedy goalkeeping uh, during preseason. I... What's mad to me about preseason, actually, it's not that long ago we beat Sevilla, a Champions League team, may I remind you. Well, and now, and I wave my hands dismissively as if to say, what the hell? Which doesn't work so well on a podcast, I realise. It's not a visual medium. I could see it all the way over here. Yeah, so can I. We're smoke signalling each other now. But um, in all seriousness, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think there's a multitude of things here. And this, I, I think all of it is underpinned by the system. Uh, or a lack thereof in preseason we were consistently playing a certain system or it was completely we expected you know and this isn't preseason this is not the time to be tinkering around do what you believe get the identity drilled in and play it i don't know why suddenly this is evaporated from rogers and the only thing i can make out is he's actually lost the players and if he's done that then we need to really really evaluate if rogers is the man or rogers needs to take them out all for dinner and have a little cuddle or some fucking shit because I'm a right. bit at the end of my tether, and I try and be optimistic about things. Yeah. But some something's got to give here. And uh, anyone yeah. who's read my post history on Reddit, and anyone who's read what I've written on Discord, knows that I have been a staunch defender of Rogers for a long time. Even as people have been going Rogers out, we've been hearing Rogers out now for close to a year, and I've been saying no, Rogers is the person who's a long-term future for the club he is the person he is the person and i now i'm actually also at the point of now we i think we need we need some change if you talk to liverpool fans and this may surprise general people there but i am friends with some liverpool fans you know some in real life we have at least one very friendly liverpool fan on the discord server as well you know who you are we love you lovely guy he is um i assume he's a guy anyway Liverpool fans will tell you that what we're seeing now is what they saw in the run-up to Rodgers getting sacked from there. They had a very similar sort of malaise where he seemed to lose confidence in the system, lose confidence in the players. He seemed to fall out with a lot of players. Like, we're seeing this. He's fallen out with Soyanchu. We don't really know. Well, we kind of have some suspicion of why. Try to move Soyanchu on, and Soyanchu didn't like it, obviously. And then Soyuncu didn't move on, and his and I'm guessing those two aren't seeing eye to eye. He seems to have fallen out with Vestergaard. He seems to have fallen out with Mendy, and somehow he's just not repairing these relationships. And you get this slightly toxic feeling. I think you're seeing a bit of a toxic feeling with you know some of our players yelling at each other on pitch now. There was the other uh, Amarty near the end of the game. He was yelling at somebody. Now, they were off screen, so I couldn't tell. But just the way it was going, I felt like he was arguing with one of his teammates versus 
somebody from the other team. So it definitely, I feel like it's something's bubbling over. Hey, well, it's hard to keep the dressing room. I mean, this this goes from five aside all the way to to Champions League. When you're not winning, it's hard. Yeah. And this is where this is where you find your character. You know, as Brendan likes to say so frequently, and you know, for a man who says it, he needs to find find that. But I, unfortunately, this is also, I think, partly. And I hate to say it, this partly on the club and the ownership. I think, you know, we've posted, what, a loss of, I can't remember now, it was well over 100 million, you know. The Fofana right. sale barely puts a dent in it. We're now running it as a business. And when you start running a team like a business, that that's when things go wrong. And I think too many people are in two different positions. And, you know, I think with the injury crisis, we may have just been a bit too ambitious. And I think this I don't quite call it punishment for our ambition but definitely we've overreached and I think we're now having to recoil financially we're having to recoil uh, in terms of footballing progress we're having to recoil about where we are you know when you're going you're going from European posi- regular European positions and winning trophies and now you know you've kind of been given this set expectation of where things are going to move on and we're going to reshuffle the deck which i think is normal for most teams you know i'm a an agile coach in real life and you know teams do sometimes just get to a point where they get stagnant and start underperforming and even start developing really bad habits and if you let that fester for too long it's really difficult to undo and you know the easy thing is to replace the leader because everyone the leader will change expectations or give people an opportunity to kind of shine and you know kind of brag to the manager oh pick me you know i want to be you know you know in a position where they're not getting out rogers and rogers now has people where you have he has to have those tough conversations and i think he needs to give them a path back if i could say anything to rogers like you need to give a path back to soyuncu to vestigard to to mendy you need to give them some motivation that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not yeah. a bloody train yeah i think he he needs to say to soyuncu clearly soyuncu is not doing something that'll get him in train i'll get him onto pitch he needs to say to, to soyuncu this is if you do these things i won't play a midfielder ahead of you show me yeah. this in training and for it to be something quite specific that you can objectively go and achieve right you can say you know we'll put you we'll do an exercise where you've got to make this many tackles block this many things whatever and then Soyuncu if he doesn't manage that many he knows what he's got to do and he he can only blame himself then in a way and that puts him in a better mental footing I guess because he knows that the path for improvement is within himself if he's saying, if he's been told you look, you're not getting in the team because I don't have faith in this, that you you are fully committed to the club. Like, oh, how do you prove that in training? That's such a vague thing to try and prove that you don't get there. I personally think, you know, so if you look at a lot of the pundits, they've been saying that we're just not playing with confidence. I think that lack of confidence starts with Brendan Rodgers. I agree. Yeah, um, that's what I, I was saying earlier, wasn't it? You know, yeah. he, he seems like a man devoid of confidence. You talked about his history with Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool was one slip away from winning. Yeah, and we were... And it, what, it's, exactly, we were what? One, one point, two years in a row away from... Champions League, Champions yeah. Champions League? It, it kind of fits. It's like you get, you get right to that door and you can't get it open. And yeah. then... I mean, I, and this is where he did say, and, and I think Rogers, in vain, is trying to be honest and transparent with a lot of his interviews. I think they're royally backfiring. If I was his mate, I'd be like, you need to pack some of that in because that's not, I know what he means and what he's trying to say, but it doesn't come across well, especially when people are in a certain mood as it is. Yeah, I say this to people because, you know, I've, um, I'm a big fan of live music. I've played in bands and... I've kind of encouraged people to get into bands and go watch them play for the like early gigs. And one thing I say to a lot of them is, when you're playing a song for the first time, do not introduce it with, we've never played this before because it's probably going to be rubbish. Because if you say that, people will believe you. If you say, we've never played this song before, you'll be the first to hear it and we think it's great, they're probably going to believe you, right? If you go in to interviews saying, look, it was a tough game, but we know what we have to do. I think part of the thing is if he keeps saying that, as he did say it a lot, 
and then you don't make the improvements that you say you need to make, then people are going to question if you're actually just saying it. But I've written on the notes here, he doesn't seem to have faith in his players. You can see it. I talked about Soyuncu and Mendy or Vestergaard already. If he doesn't have faith in the players, how can the players have faith in themselves? How can the players believe they're good enough if their manager doesn't seem to believe the team's good enough? He's got this weird thing of... Because one thing he used to be really good at is making that tactical tweak at some point in the game. Like, if you remember in 2020, we embarrassed Man City 5-2, right? And they got so mad. They didn't didn't know what we did. And Albrighton said, like, look, 20 minutes in, Rodgers made a call... We switched from four at the back to five at the back, and that's what won us the game, right? And he clearly, you know, there was a point where, remember, we always used to say, don't worry, I know it was a frustrating first half, we always play better in the second half after we've had a Second half FC. We were second half FC. Absolutely, yeah. there was, as much as we said it, kind of as a tug-in-cheek joke, there was a truth to it as well. I mean, we remember how frustrated we were against Spartak Moscow away last season, and then we came out second half FC and scored four goals, right? Or Dakar scored four goals, but I like to think the rest of the team contributed as well. Now he seems like we're looking at his decisions and we're just baffled, even with a what were you trying to achieve? He doesn't seem to, he seems to be making tweaks for the sake of it, like against Brighton. Right. Where yeah, there was exactly. no reason to make a change, but he made the change anyway. And it was a change that made no sense. Yeah, and he's made... I think a lot of the changes we've commented that there's a pattern is that he tends to be pulling a attacking player off and putting a defensive player on, which is a classic I'm-not-very-confident thing to do. And it's a classic thing that can backfire because, well, the best defence sometimes is a good offence. If we pull off our main threat, especially even or just our main threat in a zone part of the pitch suddenly they don't have to defend that part of the pitch so much and they can throw more at us and we see it time and time again this season I think what's particularly frustrating this season is that we see these flashes or not even flashes 70 minutes against Brentford 70 minutes against Southampton Mm -hmm. and a lot of the second half against Chelsea not all of it but much of the second half against Chelsea. Arsenal, we saw it in flashes. Man United, we saw it in parts. And even in this game, in like the first half of half an hour, we saw it in against Brighton, where we played like that team who can embarrass Man City, like that team who can, you know, get into the Champions League spots and scare the top six. And that's what we know we can play that way. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I think the game against Brentford has really messed with us. I think, yeah. and this this smells of uh, again of um, the champ. You know, as, as uh, Happy Death points out, the, the us being just shy of the cha- uh, Champions League spot. That sort of nervousness, game after game after game, we just seem to just unnerve ourselves. You know, and just weird and wacky things would happen the Bournemouth game comes to mind of like we were fine we were in control I was relatively comfortable watching it and then suddenly Schmeichel boots it into the back of Ndidi it all goes a bit Pete Tong Wilson scores and then Soyuncu calf kicks Wilson which whilst I understand calf kicking Wilson we don't act on it and I don't know who needs to tell Soyuncu that but well, I guess it's a day late and a dollar short at this point but yeah it's yeah. <sighs> or Tottenham game yeah, just switched off that last six minutes, you know, as my partner likes to remind me, and thank you for reminding me, happy death, I don't hear enough about that as it is. It's all right. Yeah, we, you know. We've got to make sure that we do that work. It's basically, we do that, and that's why she lets you take the time out to do this. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it, it, this, it this feels a bit Rick and Morty, uh, Morty-esque, uh, and sort of, you know, I don't know, I've this, I was about to ask, am I the Morty in this? But if you have to ask if you're the Morty, you're the Morty, right? Um, yes. <laughs> yep. But no, in all seriousness, yeah, no, it's a, it's not my favourite memory. But yeah, the the point that we've been having these defensive lapses for what a year, two years now. It, this whole this whole calendar year, we've yes. been suffering of that back line, and even with Fafana coming back, it didn't fix it, did it? 
No, and he, you know, for your fe- you know, our feelings or people's feelings aside about him, he is a tremendous defender. His ability is not questionable. There's a reason he went for a near record amount. He's he's not going to plug that call. And I and this this is the one person none of us have mentioned. Evans. Evans is our captain. Now I rate Evans. I like Evans quite a lot. I think he's one of the shrewdest purchases this club has made since mm-hmm. <laughs> since Kante. But where is he? He's our captain, and he is the marshal of that back line. I know people talk about Ward, and I've talked about Martin and Diddy, but no one's talked about Evans. And I, I there was, and I say this because during certain matches, it, it, I I can't remember which one it was now. I think it was the Man United match. Samari kept taking the ball off Evans. Evans was like putting up a, a Samari who's shown some proper hunger. I mean, when we talk about if there was a player that has come up smelling of roses of the last few games, Samari. Oh, yeah. Samari is looking good. He is looking hungry. I I want to see this match. Him and Dewsbury Hall get those people into midfield, get them working because they they want to be there and they want to do something about it. But to the point, he took the ball off Evans. You know, Evans is a leader. Why is Evans not pushing people? Why is he not pulling in Ndidi? Is he not getting the respect from his defenders? You know, is Ndidi ignoring him? Is he just not paying attention? Because he's clearly switched on. Evans, you can see from his decision-making, he's always his positionings without question. But why is he not marshalling that back line? He should be. He's the one that's been there for years at this point, playing with, you know, these guys versus Ward, who's only played with them in practice up until the last, you know, what, seven games now? Definitely Evans should be doing a better job of marshalling everybody to the correct positions. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I just, it's just interesting that he's escaped scrutiny. You know, we've talked about Ndidi and the Marte and stuff. You know, he, I, I think if, I'm going to make a point of looking at him because I, I said in the, in the previous podcast that I felt with Amate, Amate almost seemed stuck in line and basically just did whatever Evans did in terms of staying in tandem, which is both good and bad. But he didn't, you know, we talked about here. This is where Evans and Soyuncu did really well. Soyuncu took direction, but also had the flair and the speed to compensate to, you know, track things down and lock things out and kind of cover space that Evans would otherwise position himself. So if Soyuncu went sort of putting pressure on it, Evans was in usually a good position to cover for him. Uh, as that sort of that pairing and we're missing that i think with amate he's too strict in diddy he you know he's just a he's just a pivot he can't he's he's inclined to always chase the ball which but he doesn't really recover back and when he does he's more inclined to take a foul because that's what he does instinctively you yeah. best to take the foul outside the box and it is to let it become danger in the box so putting aside the question of whether we need to get rid of Rodgers, whether that's the right thing to do. Do you think putting a new manager in would help things? I think it has to be the right manager if you're going to do this. Um, That's a very good political answer to uh, avoid answering that question too directly. Happy death. (laughs) I I was going to say I think it would take the right manager. The question is, is the right manager available for a price that we can afford this I season let's not worry about that question for now so, okay i'm gonna put in a case for as long as we get a decentish manager like someone who's good enough for premier league they don't have to be an elite manager i think we can help a lot because as we said a lot of players i think they're the reason they're suffering their performance is suffering is that roger's isn't showing faith in them, right? Rogers doesn't have faith in them. Honestly, you know what gives Soyuncu a really easy route back into the team? One that will motivate him again is if the guy he's fallen out with goes and you get a new guy come in and it doesn't matter who. Let's say I walk into that dressing room and like I'm the new manager and for some reason I've got enough like CV in football management that the players will respect me when I walk in. I go in and say, right, Kaglar, you are a really good player. I've no idea why the previous guy benched you, but you're going to be in my team if you can prove you play well. And say that to the other people, right, as well. Suddenly, a lot of the players who have been feeling like down in the dumps, now they've got, oh, now I've got an opportunity. Some of the players who've been getting into the team a bit too easily, perhaps, and I'm thinking primarily, honestly, of Vardy there, 
I've got to think, right, I've got to prove it because this new manager is not going to just put me in the team just because. You suddenly say, right, we're going to strip things back. We're going to play simple. This is everyone's role. And I'm not a good enough match. That's this is the point where if I did it in real life, I would definitely get found out because I don't think I would be able to put that together for a suitable standard for the Premier League. But a new manager coming in and just saying, right, this is the game plan we're going to play with. This is the players who are going to, you know, the, the, the players who are out, you've got your chance again. I think that just instantly gives us such a boost. And yeah, there'll be a new manager bounce and we come back to our level. We're playing well below our level. A bounce to get us back to our level, if we can then stick at our level, is fine. I think, yeah, I think it's funny you say that. I, I'm actually inclined, so obviously, I, I think, you know, you talk about who, Poch... I think it's kind of a pipe dream. I, I think he won't step down to a, a Leicester. I and mean, the biggest problem is also like we get rid of Rogers, and you then you're gonna have to convince him. You get into the in kind of the space where Spurs got when they got Nuno. They kind of kept people rejecting the job because like, well, you have no money to give me the players. Honestly, I wouldn't fire Rogers if I was going to. I wouldn't fire him until I had a replacement lined up. Oh, absolutely. That sounds a bit mercenary, but. It's like no, that's what you need to do, and that's what we did with Puel, and obviously that worked well. And honestly, it's what most companies do in real life. Yes. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. That to the side. I actually so part should be a pipe dream. Sean Dyke, I, I, you know, you kind of thinking the guy who you know had Burnley, and then they got relegated after you know uh, the people who ran that club just put it into the ground, really. I can definitely see the appeal of Dyke. Honestly, I do think that he'd be really interesting because he can play attacking football. Remember when he basically went all for naught, didn't he, in his last season at Burnley? And they actually played some really convincing attacking football. You know, this is a Burnley, this is the infamous Burnley who sat back and did 4 4 2. And he did it well. You You know, the thing is, he's one of those managers where your first thought is, well, the Burnley guy. And then the more you think about it, you think, well, actually, the values he instilled into Burnley are probably the ones we're shortest on. So having someone who can come and instill those values would probably help us a lot. I also feel he has a bit of a Nigel Pearson uh, like aura about him. Um, And I think that always appeals to me. I've always liked Nigel Pearson. I know it kind of ended on interesting terms, but um, ultimately... Honestly, I've quite liked Sean Dyche. I, I... know that Burnley were a somewhat unfashionable team, but I'm also a 34-year-old guy who wears my hair to the shoulder. I'm clearly not someone who pays attention to what's fashionable and what's not. Um, I think we're I think we're past fashionable. I think we just want results now. Just a win. I think a win would just sort out of this team in general. Just yeah. a win. And I think with Ward, if he had a clean sheet, he'd be laughing. I thought it was a shame yeah. that actually Iverson played. And that's not to denigrate Iverson, but I think Ward just being like, I've got a clean sheet. That just changes that mentality. When you have that clean sheet, it is a big mental yeah. win. Even if it's realistically pointless, if we win still, it's just nice to have. I'm going to try and wrap up now with a final yes or no question. Will Brendan Rodgers still be our manager come January the 1st? Madlock. No, I, I just I don't see him turning it around. I, I, he's had he's, he's getting to the point where he's had ample opportunity unless he pulls it. We go into Villa, you know, with a, with a team that nicked a, a point off Man City, and we're still not—we still not even got more than a point on the board. So I don't—I don't see it happening. All right, and happy death. I'm also a no. I don't think he sees December. Fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with. I think I'm probably in agreement with you, unless he can really turn it around in the next few games. Uh, I think we are likely to be seeing the end of Rogers. And um, on that. Tell me when September ends. (laughs) (laughs) On that somewhat downbeat note, uh, we'll be back tomorrow for our WSL preview. The Women's Super League kicks off this weekend, and the Blessed City women will play Everton women in that. And then we will come back later again this week on Thursday, talk about our new defender and preview the Aston Villa match. But till then, goodbye from me. Uh, Bye for myself. See you all the next one. And we shall be back tomorrow.
This podcast is released under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find this license at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by spelled by forward slash 4.0. Today's creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0. It also uses Riptide by Kevin McLeod. You can find that at incompetech.com. It's licensed under a Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. I heard that URL earlier. It also uses Elf Meditation, also by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. That music is licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license.